Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. So there, there were these two churches across the street from one another, and uh, the pastors went out one day and were putting church signs in their front yard, and the first pastor hammers in, the end is near, and the other pastor across the street comes out and hammers a sign into the yard that says, turn back now before it's too late, and right about that time, a car comes just screaming around the corner, and he rolls down his window and says, you crazy religious fanatics, and and goes off, and then the pastor's here, big breaks, and boom, big splash. One pastor turns to the other and said, maybe we should have said bridge is out. <laughs> I missed you guys. I've been out a few weeks. My name's Ryland. I have the honor of pastoring here. I've been uh, gone a little bit, taking some time off, and then uh, wife and I uh, brought home a baby from the hospital a couple weeks ago, baby Sterling. Oh, that's nice of you guys. And uh, so there's uh, Sterling, there's his older brother Landry behind him, giving the thumbs up. It was one of our rare dry nights, it wasn't raining, went out for a first walk and uh, just uh, love those boys so much and just uh, love my wife Lauren so much, admire her more and more uh, every day. She takes such great care of us and and, uh, we're just both so thankful for our church family. Rockbrook's 22 years old this weekend, 22 years ago we started uh, this church in a park shelter house at the Raymore Memorial Park and uh, met there a couple times and then you had to be really smart to go to Rockbrook because you had to find where we were that week because we were uh, at the uh, Raymore um, or we were at the Belton uh, Elementary School and then we were in the high school theater and movie theater and a hotel ballroom reception hall and basement of a bank one time and community centers and just all different uh, places and now we're in this warehouse now and And now, of course, we've got small groups meeting in all manner of places and homes and community centers and different places uh, throughout the week. And uh, it's just uh, awesome to be a part of it, privileged to see people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, living out his purposes for them and in their families and in their workplaces and their community and this world. So happy birthday, Rockbrook. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. So we're going to, uh, just in the last 22 years, you know, uh, we've, uh, if you've been with us any amount of time, uh, you know that we're just, we, we're not afraid of change and not afraid of, of, of different things. We've had different service times and different uh, things happening all the time, changing programs and formats and all that kind of thing. So uh, starting this summer, we're going to have, uh, just want to introduce to you a little change that we're making, and that is with Rockbrook for Kids. And that is we're going to take an RBFK, Rockbrook for Kids service, off the plate. Our RBFK RBFK team, staff, teachers, and helpers, just absolutely amazing, so sacrificial, wonderful in every way. If you've got a a kid in RBFK, um, maybe just drop their uh, their teacher a note sometime, just thanking thanking them for uh, their service and for their influence in, in your kid's life and 
And, but it's just, uh, just staffing uh, all five services was just spreading it a little thin. Uh, a lot of people going the extra mile, actually, to even uh, be able to pull that off every week. Um, so we're just going to take one off the plate to, be, to best serve your kids, to best serve uh, the dream team. Uh, so starting June 15th, um, we'll no longer have RBFK at the Saturday night 6.30 service, but we'll still have it at the 5, the 9, the 10.15, the 11.30. If you'd like to serve at one of those services... Uh, and we'd love to have you. Growth Track is the best, best way to find out more information about that. And I'm teaching uh, step one of the Growth Track uh, this afternoon. And I'd love to see you uh, there for that. All right, let's pull out the message notes. Let's uh, open up the app if you want and take notes that way. We're going to launch this new series on a question many people are asking. And that is, is this it? Are we at the end? Is this the beginning of the end? Is this the end of the end? Is is Jesus coming back? Are we in the last days? And this is going to be a four-week series dealing with that question and end times in the book of Revelation. And I'd invite you, uh, don't miss next week. I've asked Pastor Kelly to preach next week on uh, the judgments and uh, the crowns and, and rewards and what that looks like. On the, and he does an amazing job of that. I'm so thankful for his teaching uh, on that in my life. He takes something that's uh, complicated, it's kind of hard to understand as you read the scriptures, makes it so simple and, and so clear uh, to understand. Uh, but is this it? Now the Bible clearly states, in fact, these are the words of Jesus himself regarding the day that it ends, like the end. And let's address it right off the bat. Jesus says, but about that day or hour, no one knows that day when it all ends. So anyone who's predicted it or is trying to sell you a book on it, or made a YouTube video about it that says this is the time, they're wrong. They don't know. Jesus says, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's got his white horse ready for his return. He's waiting for the go-ahead from God the Father. But what do we do in the meantime with these circumstances that we face, with the life that we face, with and the natural disasters we face of earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and then, and then the, the terror and terrorist attacks and, and, and even the terror that we're just seeing in the news even in these days. It feels like a unique generation, doesn't it? Here's our theme verse for this series. It's in First Chronicles. It gives a shout out to some people. I love this. They're a good example to us today. First Chronicles 12.32, the men of Issachar, and say this with me, understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I love that. They understood the times, but they knew, then they knew what to do. It, it led to some life change. It led to we're going to do something differently because we understand the times. So this series is going to help us understand uh, the times in which we live, and it will help us know um, what to do right now. Because we don't need to be scared, we don't need to be idle, um, we don't need to be confused, okay? We need to understand that this is a unique generation, and we need to know what to do. And in fact, we, you may not realize this, but we preach what to do in light of Jesus coming back every week. It says, every time in scripture you see that Jesus is coming back, there's always an action step, there's always things that we should do, and so we're going to live in light of Jesus Return. In fact, one of the fundamental pillars of this church is the second coming of Christ. 
We have these faith statements that we've built our, our church on, and we talk about them in Growth Track. You can see the, the full list of them on our website and what we believe. Uh, but here's our, our faith statement about Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, we believe in the deity, that Jesus is God, the virgin birth, the sacrificial death that was on the cross, the bodily resurrection that he really rose from the dead, and the present high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. And then check this out. We believe in the personal and imminent return of Jesus Christ. So we include it in a lot of messages, do sermons on it, and you asked for it in different places. This is the first time in a little bit, though, we've done a whole series on it. And I, I think you're going to enjoy this series. The series on what? On the simple truth that Jesus is coming again. Some generation is going to be the end times generation. There's going to be some people alive when Jesus comes back and he returns. Let me show you a verse that truly says it and we'll build on this simple truth. It's in Acts chapter 1. So Jesus lived for 33 years. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And for 40 days after the resurrection, he's appearing uh, to people, to his followers, and in his resurrected body, in his glorified body. And after the 40 days after the resurrection, he ascended into heaven. And so here's what it's talking about. He says, after he said this, after he said what? The final instructions, the great commission. Believers around the world are united in one mission. It's the great commission that Jesus gave us. But after he said that, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These are angels, messengers. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, it's because Jesus was just floating up into the sky. That's why we're standing here looking at the sky. They said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This happened at the top of the Mount of Olives. There's a mountain on the side of it is this garden of olive trees is where the garden of Gethsemane is. In fact, most of the pictures that you've seen of Jerusalem uh, are taken from uh, the top of the Mount of Olives. That's where he's ascended, and in the same way he ascended, he's coming back. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but the Bible gives us the season. The Bible gives us the signs of when that will happen. The Bible says a lot about it, so we won't be confused about it. Let's look at where Jesus explains it. Jesus says, I won't tell you the day or the hour, but there will be signs in the sun, moon, and the stars. So things that are going to be out of the ordinary. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror. So have we seen, have we seen earthquakes? Have we seen tidal waves? Have we seen terror? Apprehensive of what's coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming. So there's going to be a season where all that ramps up. All that ramps up and Jesus will come in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is exciting. Lift up your heads. Look up, everybody. Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. And we could be the generation that sees it. Are we living in the last days? I'll tell you, every generation has made the case that they're the generation, that they were going to see, that they were the end times generation. And that's a healthy thought to have, 
Because even if we're not the end times generation, we're living in our end times. You're not going to live forever. You're in your end times. I'm not going to live forever. So at any moment, friend, any moment you could be standing before the Lord. Through death or through rapture, at any moment you could be standing before the Lord. And so it's, we need to live like he's coming back today. And I can certainly say it's getting closer and closer. There's some unique things about our generation that other generations didn't have. Uh, it's not, it's, so it's not just that these signs that Scripture talks about are fulfilled. It's that they're all being fulfilled at the same time. That's the generation that will see the end. So I'll just give you some for instances of things that are coming together. So many different ones of these, but let's talk about three of them. There's room uh, to write this in if you want to in your notes. Um, but it, what's important in the end times generation is really worldwide satellite technology, right? Reference Revelation 11, uh, because it's important to the end times narrative that at the very end of the tribulation, there's going to be two witnesses that many scholars believe are Moses and Elijah, and they're going to come back and preach, and the Antichrist and the beast are going to murder them. And their bodies are going to lay in the street for three and a half days, and it says every nation will witness it. Every nation will see them, their bodies laying in the street. Well, how does every nation see something in live time? How do you see something on the other side of the world in live time? There's got to be some technology to make that happen to where the whole world can witness that. And it couldn't happen without this technology for there to, or us to be here and to see something over there. Another thing interesting about our generation, if you want to write this down, is worldwide financial technology. In Revelation 13, there's this part, again, in the tribulation um, where the Antichrist, in a show to make people think that he's, he's unifying the world, bringing the world together, world peace, that people are going to get on board with a one-world currency, a one-world currency that, that everyone buys and sells in this united way. And to be able to do that, you've got to take on the mark of the beast. Maybe you've heard that term or that phrase before, um, but it's something on your forehead or, or in your hand, on your hand, uh, that allows you to buy and sell with this one-world currency. And for that to happen, there's got to be some financial technology to make that possible. And guess what we're seeing in these days? We're seeing more and more companies put microchips in people's hands to be able to do different things like that. We're, we're, it, that's on the brink of what this is talking about. The last one that we're going to see, and this one's exciting, is that there's going to be worldwide evangelism. And in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says that this word, the good news, the gospel will be preached in all nations. Now that's not 193 geographical boundary nations. He uses a word, the word ethnos, and that means people groups. And there's about 17,000 people groups on the earth. And thousands and thousands and thousands of them have heard the gospel. They have a clear gospel witness. They have uh, part of the Bible or the whole Bible translated into uh, their language. They have the church. Uh, but there's still a few thousand people groups on the planet that do not have a clear gospel witness. There's, there's not uh, someone presenting the good news in their language. They don't have any part of the Bible translated into their language. They don't have a missionary. They don't have a body of Christ, the church. 
And so there's, all those people are going to be reached. And so we're passionate about these groups. In fact, when we as a church started investing in strategic missions, uh, we decided we weren't going to spend the vast majority of your mission's dollars in areas where there was already a clear gospel witness. We want to focus on the unreached areas. Only 4% of America's mission dollars are going to unreached and unengaged people groups. That yes, the, the other places need help too, but we wanted to invert that. We wanted to have it where almost all of our missions dollars were going into reaching these last, these last groups that haven't heard the gospel yet. So that's why we put effort into areas like North India and Nepal, because it's this big hot pocket of where most of the unengaged and unreached people groups are. So anyway, uh, this is interesting. Uh, experts who study this say that in 1970, there were about 1.2 billion Christians on the planet. And then in 2019, there were about 2.4 billion Christians on the planet. And in the last 50, 50 years, thereabouts, it's, it's doubled. That, that, that much has happened in the last 50 years, when in the last 1,970, I mean, it's just amazing what's going on, that their evangelism is ramping up. Christianity is growing. The gospel is growing in the world. Now, the reason why you may not think that is because in the 193 geographical boundary nations, the gospel is growing in all of them but 20, and the United States of America is one of the 20. So that may be why you don't think the gospel is growing or Christianity, but Christianity is growing. There is worldwide evangelism happening. We live in a unique generation that has limited time and incredible opportunity for global evangelism. Why, why am I telling you all this? To excite you, not to scare you. If you look on your outline, I just want to spend the rest of our time really in an, ama an amazing passage of scripture that... Um, maybe you haven't been um, inspired by a passage of Scripture in a while or just kind of lit up by something in the Bible. Today may, may be your day. I'd just like to uh, take a moment and look at this passage from the end of, of 1 Thessalonians 4 going into chapter 5. And this is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is writing uh, to the church. And uh, let's just, today let's just walk through those, read those whole verses, and then we'll go back to the top and break them down and, and, and kind of flesh them out and, and talk about it. But uh, just follow along with me here. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 15. says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, 
are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. You know what this, this passage of scripture teaches me? I think there's really three big themes that, that we need to be reminded of today about Jesus' return. If you're taking notes, write these in, and that is that Jesus' return comforts us. It comforts us. How many would say with me that earth stinks? It does. In fact, we probably all agree on that. And, and what's fascinating about that is we live in, in the best earth has to offer. We live in the heartland of America. And even then, we'd still say, this ain't good enough. This is broken. Something's not right. This stinks. And we, life on earth will let us down. It will. It's not about the here and now. In fact, look at this passage again. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. What, what does that mean? Well, Paul, he doesn't even use the word dead here. He uses the word asleep because Jesus has conquered death. And it's saying that those who have died first are going to get caught up with him. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. And this means to snatch suddenly. But there's going to be, uh, before the wrath of God is poured out, he's going to snatch us out. And so that's, it's, we call it the rapture. The word rapture uh, isn't in the Bible. It's taken from a Latin word uh, that's translating these words to be caught up or taken away. The truth of it is absolutely in Scripture that there will be a rapture. There's going to be a taking away of the church, the body of Christ, believers. They're going to be uh, caught up, snatched away. And you're going to have these moments where you're reunited with everyone. That We're reunited together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? Encourage one another with these words. Not scare one another. Not criticize one another. Encourage one another. And, and what I've just observed is that many people, when they start thinking about these truths, these doctrines, these scriptures, the, the, the second coming of Christ and the end and Revelation and Armageddon and all those things, that sometimes what can happen is that it causes people to become more inwardly focused. It causes people to become uh, more stingy, maybe more upset with the condition of the world. They become maybe a little bit meaner. They become grumpier. But, but that's not, this, this is meant to encourage us. It's not meant to make us afraid that, yes, this should strike the fear of God in you a little bit. If it doesn't, something's wrong. That, but what, what does a healthy fear of God mean? The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, that the fear of the Lord is going to result in an outpouring of his spirit. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Grumpy ain't a fruit of the Spirit, everybody. That's bad grammar, but it's good preaching. <laughs> Get off my lawn ain't a Bible verse, everybody. 
that this is meant to comfort us. It's meant to encourage us. It's meant to, that we're going to be more confident in, in our faith in God, that we're going to be more bold in the love and the truth and the good news of God, that this is going to make us more generous, not more stingy. It's going to cause us to leave a greater legacy. So let's be encouraged. Let's be comforted. Let's let this cause us to look up and and to see what we're living for, to to stop expecting that everything is going to work out here. Not everything is going to work out on earth. It's not. Not everything with your life and your health and and your kid and everything else. We're not living for here. But there is a truth that Jesus is coming back. There is a truth that he will make all things new. So be comforted. Be encouraged. Jesus' return comforts us, but uh, Jesus' return, it also prepares us. Write that, write that in. It prepares us. It's just amazing. God just didn't want you to be in the dark about what would happen in the end. There's over, just throw some numbers at you here. There's over 300 references in the New Testament about Jesus Christ's return. Uh, there's 260 chapters in the New Testament. 216 of those reference Jesus' return in in the end. And there's uh, 27 books in the New Testament. 23 of those books reference the return of Christ. Why? Because God set it up that you, you wouldn't be reading Scripture for very long without being reminded of His return, of His coming back. And it should embolden us. We should be prepared for it. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write you, so we don't, we don't know. Let's not waste a bunch of time trying to nail down a time. Let's not sit in small group and try to, uh, try to come up with a time and, and all of those things. No, for you know very well that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So the thief doesn't knock on your door today and say, Hey, I'm coming back at 2 a.m. tonight. No, it's a surprise. You don't know when it's coming. While people, non-Christians, are saying peace and safety. So these are unbelievers. These are unbelievers who say, I don't have to worry about that. Got plenty of time. I don't know about all that. They're saying peace and safety. No worries. It says destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. And let me tell you, I know what this verse is talking about because I was just living with someone who's having some labor pains. <laughs> and uh, it caused me to prepare. You know, it caused me to live a little differently. I wanted to, a few weeks ago, I wanted to drive to Tulsa and go to a concert, but then I was sitting at dinner with my wife and out of nowhere she goes, what's happening? Labor pains, something's coming, something's happening, something's changing. I got to prepare. I haven't packed my bag yet. Got to go pack my bag. We got to get, got to get ready for this. Sitting watching a movie. I don't know where. Ooh, labor pains. It's what, what we're seeing in the world that these disasters, this terror, these different things. It's saying, hey, come on, get prepared. Come on, just think about this differently. Something's coming. Something's happening. It causes you to live differently. The earth is going through labor pains. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. While there's many who are shocked, they're going to be shocked when this happens, you won't be shocked. That's why I'm bringing you this series, because how you live matters. What you prioritize matters. What you stand for matters. How you live matters. How you think matters. 
What you believe about God and the Bible and truth matters. Here's the, here's the third one. So Jesus' return prepares us, but Jesus' return, number three, focuses us. Focuses us. Write that in and look at this passage. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Those two words, awake and sober, have just captured me the last few days. Awake and sober. Let's be awake. What does that mean? What's he saying? He's saying too many people are sleepwalking their way through life. They're just, they're following their feelings, they're following just the different trends, whatever culture they're in, whatever group they're a part of, they're just sleepwalking their way through life. And he says in the end, there's going to be many who just, they don't think it matters and they just, they'll get on board with anything and yeah, put this chip in my hand. Yeah, let's, let's follow that. Yeah, let's sign this. Yeah, let's follow this person. Let's, let's do this thing. No worries. He says, come on, wake up. This is a wake-up call. you got to be awake. He says the second word, he says, you got to be sober. What does that mean? That doesn't mean somber. That doesn't mean mean. It means clear-headed. It means sound judgment. It means, come on, let's, let's be focused. Let's not have too many things going on in our mind. Let's not have any, anything in our, in our life, in our, in our body, in our, in our mind that's, that's obstructing that's, that's our judgment or how we see. Let's be clear-headed. Let's be awake and let's be sober. Let's be focused. Let's not have our mind on too many different things. Are, are we living in the last days? Well, yeah. You're living in yours. And I'm living in mine. And some generation is going to be the generation that sees Christ return. At any moment, you could be standing before God. Through death, through rapture, at any moment, you are standing before God. Are you comforted? Are you prepared? Are you focused? So what should we do? Let me just give you four quick things. Four quick things you can write these in. Let's live for heaven well, live for heaven, not for earth. Don't get too distracted with here. Don't get to, to, keep your eyes on the prize, everybody. Keep your eyes on where you're going to spend eternity, not where you're going to spend just a little, little sliver of your life. Let's also stand for truth. Stand for truth. Don't be lukewarm. This is not a good time to dabble in the ways of God and to dabble in the things of earth. Let's get serious about the fact that he's coming soon. Who, who defines truth? What defines truth? God. It's the creator. He defines what truth is. God's word defines what truth is. Let's stand for truth. And let's preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's preach the gospel in as many places as we can. And lastly, let's prepare to meet Jesus. Prepare ourselves to stand before God face to face. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to be prepared for this great day where you are coming again. But God, in the meantime, for whatever time that is, I pray that you would help us to do the best that we can to reach as many people as we can for you. Let's be, let's be more focused on others than we ever have been before. So we can make the, 
Make a difference for your namesake, for your kingdom. God, at the outset of this series, I just pray against every bit of fear or anxiety or confusion related to this topic. But God, we do want to have a healthy fear of you that leads us to worship, that leads us to awe, that leads us to to living righteously, to following you. But God, we know that you want us to be encouraged and comforted, not anxious. You want us to be prepared and focused. Thank you, God, for your word. It, it just brings life to us today. And church, there with your head bowed, I just invite you to pause for a moment. And if you don't have the confidence that you are saved, and if you don't have the confidence that you're going to be on God's side when he returns, I just invite you right now to repent of your sins, to give Jesus your life, to surrender to him this grip that you have on your life and the control. The Bible is very clear that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that if you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It means you put your faith in him. You're letting him direct your life. And you know if you have a right relationship with God or not. But I want to give you an opportunity today um, to tell God that he is Lord. To talk to God, to pray to him, to say, I believe in you. And so we're going to pray a prayer together as a whole church. We're all just going to repeat some words after me. Some of you, this may be your first time. But church, just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. And paying for my sin. I receive what you did for me and I surrender my life. Forgive me. Change me. I believe you died. You were buried and you rose again. I put my faith in you and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.